0: Hey, would the rest of you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and while you are turning there, um, I do want to thank everybody for the, all, all the ways that you have been supporting, um, you know, not only Linda Dickerson and her family, but, but now the, uh, L. Jean Johnson and, and his family. We had a beautiful memorial service for Marty yesterday, and uh, as you can see by the flowers, uh, I particularly want to just speak to those of you who, who who brought food for the reception. Thank you for that. Uh, as you bring, you know, <laughs> it may not seem like much, but you know, you make a deviled egg, you make a chocolate chip cookie. Do you know what you're? You know what you're really making? You're you're making the means for people to connect and to share stories and to give thanks for uh, for the saints that have gone on before us. Uh, you're creating an environment where. You know, you don't just come in and have a memorial service and then people leave, but they can actually love each other and care for each other. That's such a gift. I just want to thank you um, for those, those blessings right, right out of your kitchen or, or, or frankly from, you know, maybe the bakery aisle at Martin's. Who, who cares? But just, you know, thank you for making that, those receptions a possibility as we've been gathering together uh, to grieve. Um, hey, we're... We're in Luke chapter two and, and we're continuing this uh, sort of part two to our, our Joy for the World series. This is now Joy to the World, right? Since it is officially Advent. And I'm gonna pick up where Kyle left off last week where the angels appear to the shepherds and they announce the the feedback. Uh, they announce good tidings, a great joy. Uh, so so, what happened after that? Like. Like, so what? what? What did the shepherds do in response to this incredible announcement? So if you've got your place in Luke chapter two, let's stand in honor of God's word. And I'm going to pick up in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Lord, would you please send your spirit to add your blessing to the reading and the hearing and the receiving of your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Um, As I'm looking at this passage and trying to, you know, determine a, a, a direction that I think might be helpful for, for all of us, for me, you know, in particular. Like it, it occurred to me that some things are just better seen firsthand rather than just you kind of hear about and you go, oh that's that's nice, but no, you, you want to see it firsthand. Like like right now, would wouldn't it be kind of cool to be in Qatar in, in that stadium where they're playing the final right now for the world cup surrounded by ninety thousand other you know crazed out of their mind soccer football fans who um if you've ever been to a professional soccer game um much less a world cup soccer game but i've been to a a dc united game and, and and on one end of the stadium there there's the, 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 the DC United Army, or whatever they're called, and they're all in black and red, and they're waving their flags, and this guy's on a kettle drum, and he never stops beating that drum the whole game. And they're cheering, and they're singing, and it's like amazing. But imagine being in a stadium with 90,000 people doing that. Because some things are just better seen firsthand. Now, I'm gonna go home and watch the game on replay. Uh, don't, no spoilers for any of you who are watching the feed on your phones, you know, uh, good for you. You're here. That's good. That's good. You're here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, some things you like, you're like, wow, there's, there's going to be one and a half billion people right now. Like a, what is that? A fifth of the world's population right now is watching this game. They want to see it. They want to kind of enter in. It's more than just reading about it. It's more than just sort of hearing the score. Oh, well, that's nice. There's just something you know, engaging and, and, and special about seeing it firsthand, which is why I suppose uh, you know, millions of people, millions of people crashed Ticketmaster last month trying to get tickets to see Taylor Swift in person to go to one of her concerts on this upcoming tour, because they think it's going to be far, far better to see her you know, on the stage and to, to watch her perform her songs rather than just sort of streaming it and listening to it on, you know, in your, your AirPods. It's just, it's just cooler that way. There's something you know, that, that makes it deeper, that makes it better. And, and so, yeah, I know what you're thinking. What in the world does World Cup and Taylor Swift have to do with Advent? All right, so what are the shepherds teaching us? As, as the shepherds are hearing this news of good tidings, of great joy that will be for all the people, you know, they say in verse 15, okay, then let's go. Let's, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So there's this, eagerness and, and, and determination in their effort to go and see firsthand, right, what this news is all about. They're responding to what the angel had announced. Uh, if you've got your Bibles up and look at verse 10, and Kyle covered this last week, fear not, for, and for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And, and then the angels sort of finish their fanfare with this doxology in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And, and so it's this, you know, very traditional account that we hear about every Christmas of, of the gospel being proclaimed to, to of all people, the shepherds. And isn't that amazing Right, that God would have favor on, on, on these outcasts, this outcast group. And Kyle covered that last week and, and that was a great exposition. But what I wanna look at is the reaction of the shepherds. Because what, this, what the angels did was they announced good news of great joy that will be for all the people, right? And, and that's fantastic. And it's wonderful to hear that, that God's gonna provide a Christ, a savior, a Messiah for the world. But what the angels did not say is hey you shepherds I want you to now go to Bethlehem and go see this child because you know in years to come there's going to be all these nativity scenes and we need shepherds there. We we need to make it a really bucolic, peaceful, you know, kind of quaint thing for Hallmark cards and all these you know Christmas pageants. We need shepherds. You need to go. No. There's no commission. There's no command. There, 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 there's no like go and 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 you know hang out with Mary and Joseph and guard you know, the baby. There's 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 nothing, there's no instruction given to the shepherds about what they should do. This is all on them. It's completely of their own volition that they decide, hey guess what? Maybe we should go. We should go see this thing firsthand. It's not enough that we just hear, it's amazing. You know, my goodness, the the mercy of God to reveal himself in the heavens to the shepherds. We all would would love to have that experience, right? But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to hear the good news. They wanted to, to see the good news. And because of that, because... They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Their joy increased. Their joy progressed. It ratcheted up. And we read in verse 20 that the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard, yes, and seen, right? firsthand, all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They they had a testimony. They they had a firsthand account. They had now a relationship with this infant, you know, who is the Christ, the Lord. Uh, And that's what's on their their minds and in their hearts, on their lips, right? As they they return to their flocks and they're they're praising God and so on. So there's joy at hearing the news that a Savior has been born, but the real joy is going to see him. And the real joy is in meeting him. The real joy is in knowing him. And you have to go to him to know him. So every week we come in here and we hear the good news just like the shepherds did. Good tidings and great joy that's for all people, for the whole world. And we want more people to come in. We want you to bring more people to to come in and hear this good news. But it's not enough. You can hear the gospel week in and week out. We have to go to him and have a first-hand encounter with Jesus. He's not a biographical character in the Bible. He's not a historical person or ruler or figurehead. He's the living Christ. And yes, bodily, he's in heaven. We can't go to him there yet, but he has given us his spirit so that each and every one of us in this room, week in, week out, can have a personal relationship, a personal encounter with him, or we can know him. We not only come here to hear about him, we come here to meet with him. Do you? Have you? Do you know him? Have you met with him? Or is this just an exercise in hearing about some biographical account? It's so much more than that. The shepherds teach us that. So do the wise men, by the way. And if you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, you can can hear what the wise men are teaching us. Kind of in a similar vein to what the shepherds uh, experienced now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, or a magi, from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, or in the east, and have come to worship him. And then in verse 9, Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's a good kind of joy. That's that's better than Hallmark joy. That's amped up, that goes goes up to 11, right? That is exceedingly great joy, inexpressible joy. And so why do they get in on that kind of joy? What what gives them access to that joy? Um, Well, it's going. It's going and seeing firsthand for themselves what the star was telling them, the message in the heavens uh, that they had had witnessed, these men are the magi, we get our word magician uh, from from that same root, and they're astrologers and they're scanning the heavens and they're looking for you know significant signs and things that are going to you know, pretend big events and worldwide things and so they, you know, see this strange star and they knew something cosmologically significant had occurred. And uh, I suppose they had a choice just like any of us would have had a choice in that moment. They could have just sort of hunkered down and started blogging about the cool thing they saw in the heavens. Like, man, you're not going to believe this star and uh, you should go out and see it. And if you go in at a certain time and look at the, you know, this direction, you can see the star too. And it's really cool. They didn't stop at that. They decided, they determined, we're not told they were told to go, but they decided, hey, let's, let's go see this thing. The, the, we, we are not content to stay put. We are not content to stay in our country. We are not content to not go and see. We're gonna pack our bags. We're gonna leave everything behind and go. Would you? They were not content not to know you know, what was the source of the star's significance. They wanted to meet him, the, the king whose reign meant that the heavens weren't the same anymore. And they wanted to go see this king whose reign meant that the earth wouldn't be the same anymore. And they wanted to go see this king whose reign meant that they wouldn't be the same anymore. And he doesn't want us to be the same anymore either. How do we change? How do we grow? How do we progress? How do we get more joy? Well, it's the same way that the, the magi were changed by going to him. The same way the shepherds were changed by going to him. That's the way that the magi and the shepherds could experience this exceedingly great joy, the good news that will be for all the people. Now, let me tell you something, a truth that most of us would rather not admit. <laughs> If you're a Christian or if you're a churchgoer, you know you, you know what I'm talking about. If you're new to the church or you knew the Bible, this this might be like, "Oh, really? I didn't know that." But this is some of our dirty laundry. I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of op- open it up, let you see. Most of us don't want to admit that it's possible, right, to know more about God and to learn His Word and to, to try to advance as a disciple. And at the same time, we somehow end up less and less amazed. At who God is and how good His news is. How is that even possible? I, I, I don't know how, but I'll I'll confess it's true for me. I suspect it's true for many of you, probably all of you. I think we've got a lot in common in this case, where where we we want to you know we keep coming to church and we read our Bibles and we pray and we, and it just feels like I'm not I'm not growing. I'm not I'm not going deeper. I'm I'm not my my joy is flat. You know, instead, I just feel you know anxious all the time, and, and and it's not working. And we can be honest about that. It should be the opposite, right? Like the more you, you you're, you're reading, the more you know, the more you're you're you're, you're worshiping. Like you, we should be growing in joy, not not feeling deflated. Like it's there was um there's this whole big thing. I don't know if you've caught um. Since last year, actually, this time last year, December of 2021, when the James Webb telescope was launched, they're now comparing the images from this new telescope to the the Hubble telescope that was launched in 1990, right? We thought those images were cool. Like they're, my goodness, 32 years old. But when the Hubble telescope was launched, it was put in orbit around the Earth where it could see things in space that were just unfathomable to us before when all of our images were coming from really sophisticated telescopes, but nonetheless, telescopes that had to deal with light pollution and and atmospheric filtration and all that. So once they put the telescope out in space, it's like, wow, look at what we can see through the Hubble Hubble telescope. And now as the, the, the first images came back from the Webb telescope back in July, like astrophysicists are losing their minds. They are going bananas, like going, oh my gosh, this is so much better, this is so much greater because the the Webb telescope is three times farther out in its orbit around the Earth. And the Webb telescope takes infrared, uh, infrared images the The Hubble telescope is ultraviolet. I don't know, you know, that's for those physicists to figure out. but I want to show you the differences. Here's one slide showing you the difference between the Hubble and the web, and this is the Carina Nebula, 7,600 light years away. And yeah, I mean, you can see the detail, right, from the web. And the astrophysicists are going, man, we're seeing through the dust, and we're seeing through this, you know, the, the, the clouds of, and that are forming galaxies and newborn stars, and they're just, like I said, going bananas. And here's another comparison of the Southern Ring Nebula. You're like, yeah, the Hubble, great, but ooh, the web, so cool. Like, this is how it's supposed to work. When you learn more stuff and and you see more clearly, it's supposed to make the wonder increase. It's supposed to make, you know, the joy increase. Like, it's supposed to make astrophysicists with all kinds of advanced degrees act like middle schoolers, you know. Why isn't isn't that the case necessarily for us? As we're trying to grow in Christ, learn more about him, learn more of his word, know more of what is so miraculous about Christmas. Shouldn't our wonder increase? Shouldn't our joy increase? There's a um, series of stories, maybe you've heard about them, the Chronicles of Narnia. In the last last of the seven books, C.S. Lewis describes the last battle. And it's the end of old Narnia, and the new Narnia uh, comes. And it's Lewis's depiction of like the old earth passing away and the new heaven and the new earth coming. And what that might be like to see a glorified earth, the new creation, you know, that will have, uh, that this earth is a shadow of, but the, the reality is, is coming. And so there's a picture at the end of the last battle where, you know, all of these companions are are seeing the new Narnia and they're just taking note and they're going, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And Lewis writes that it was the unicorn, Jewel, who summed up what everyone was feeling and he stamped his right forehoof on the ground and he neighed and then he cried, I've come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land... I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. And the reason why we love the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this, hee hee I guess that's Lewis's way of depicting a glorified unicorn's nay. Um, come further up, come further in. Further up and further in, and then they all take off like a shot and they're all, running. I I love Lewis's depiction of glorified bodies, you know, just enjoying and soaking in this ever-expanding new creation where everyone's running and nobody's getting hot, nobody's getting winded, you know, everybody's just pedaled to the metal and, and they're just having a ball. Like, look at this, this is great, yeah, we're still running. And it's just further up and further in and further up and further in and they see vista after vista, new creation after new creation. How do we go further up and further in? How do we progress in our joy? How do we we make it so that the more we know about God's word, the more that we know about Jesus and his gospel, that it would give us a a greater taste of joy, a greater experience of wonder? Let me read you a few verses from 1 Peter 1. You're welcome to turn there with me if you like. I'm in verse three. 1 Peter 1, He writes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, blessed means happy. Happy is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Boy, Tabernacle can, can, uh, can understand that sentence, right? And so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter gives us a road map to go further up and further in so that we would grow in our joy, we would grow in in our wonder. And and, and one of the things we need to do is is to have our faith determined to be genuine. That's when we will grow in joy because that's when we will get to know the genuine Jesus, right? So is our faith in the genuine gospel? Because we're not going to have genuine joy if we don't understand the, the genuinely good news. And, you know, Peter gives us an outline of what that gospel is right here. He says, according to God's great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Boom, you got three things there that are so integral to the gospel that it's God's great mercy. First and and foremost, this is nothing that you and I earn or it's certainly nothing that we deserve. And, the, and, and if you're going to believe the genuine gospel, if your joy is going to be genuine, it starts with a genuine confession and a genuine admission that I don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve God's goodness. I don't, I don't deserve mercy. Nobody deserves mercy. What we deserve is actually judgment. The gospel is a message about sin. It's about what God has done to reconcile himself to us because we've rejected him. We insisted on uh, self-righteousness and self-reliance and self-everything at the expense of reliance on Jesus, acknowledging him as our creator and our king. And so it's God's great mercy to us. Without his mercy, we would face destruction. Without his mercy, without his kindness, without his protection, we would be undone. You know, it's, it, mercy is not something that we get. It's something that is gifted. The Moss family could tell you about that last night. God's mercy to them to protect them, uh, you know, on this road, dr- journeying north and merging from 77 on to 81 and being rear-ended and Praise the Lord for his mercy that they didn't get pushed into the semi-truck in front of them. Praise the Lord for his mercy that they didn't get pushed into the left lane of oncoming traffic and instead ended up in the median. Praise the Lord for his mercy that, that they're sitting in the back right now with us instead of in the hospital. You know, who knows how many injuries and more heartache to this congregation, right? That's mercy. None of us deserve this. It's his kindness. That's the genuineness of the gospel is that it comes to us without us earning it, without us deserving it or being entitled to it. And that's why it's so much more joyful because it's not a paycheck. It's a gift. And and it caused us to be born again to a living hope, right? Like salvation is not about... Self-improvement, it's not about going to the bookstore or ordering something on Amazon to make you a better person. C.S. Lewis, again, famous for saying, look, God didn't come, he didn't send his son to make better people of the old version. He came to make us new. You have to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus that. If if you're not born again, you, you can't even see the kingdom of God, much less enter. And so, the genuine gospel is this message of not self improvement or even spiritual improvement, but of being made a new creation, brand new. The old is gone and the new has come. Yeah, there's, there's still Essen, I'm still Essan, but I'm new. I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a little Christ, just like all of us are, are called to become through his mercy. We don't do this ourselves. He makes us new because he's kind to us. And, and it's the message of a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why was he raised from the dead? Well, because he was crucified in our place. He died as an atoning sacrifice, a sacrifice that would make us at one again. That's the at one of the atonement where God in his kindness, doesn't stay alienated from us but he comes to us and he pursues us and he says i want a relationship with you i love you i love my enemies and i'm giving you jesus to take your sins away to give your righteousness that you didn't earn or deserve now come come and be my beloved have a relationship of of love with me and and enter into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfaded, kept in heaven for you. Did any of you earn an inheritance? Does anybody earn an inheritance? Isn't an inheritance a gift? Yeah. This is the genuine gospel. Our joy won't grow unless we're going further up and further in in the genuine gospel that God has revealed to us, not in any secondhand or imposter or diluted or shallow gospel. We have to go deep in what God has revealed to us. And we have to have a genuine faith in the genuine gospel, right? Like, like not just doctrinal data that we're saying, oh yeah, that sounds nice and Presbyterian. No, like what does it mean to have a real reliance upon a living Savior? To live by faith, not just to believe the faith. Where faith is a verb, not just a noun. Like, that's what genuine faith looks like. It has fruit, it's, it has evidence. People can, can see it. Like, let me just throw a few questions at you, just kind of trying to, to, to push this along a little bit. Like, what are you doing actively today, tomorrow, this week, that, that requires you to lean on Jesus, to rely on him, and if he doesn't show up, I don't know what's gonna happen where you're not acting in your own power, where everything is a gift to you. This next sip of water, thank you, Jesus. Not making any assumptions, not feeling entitled to anything, reliance upon the Lord every hour, every day, just like we sang, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. So living by faith, in the genuine faith. What are you doing to live by faith? Can I throw just a few like litmus tests at you? Not that you have to be doing all these things simultaneously, but I I think these ought to sort of generally describe disciples like us. Where What hard thing might might you and I be avoiding because we're scared of what's going to happen? We're not really trusting God to sovereignly work it out for our good. What are we avoiding? What, do, what are you putting off? What are you delaying? Even though Jesus, Jesus is telling you do it now, I, I want you to do this today. What are you saying? Uh, I, I, later, later, instead of instead of living by faith, right? Where, if someone were to were to just look at your your bank statement, you know, go online and check out your Dupont, you know, statement. If you were to look at mine, would you see evidence of my reliance upon the Lord for our income and for? him to to supply our needs through, you know, even though we're we're making gifts and stuff like, is that clear? Is that proof in your finances? And when was the last time you opened your mouth to talk to somebody about your relationship with Jesus? Like that's scary stuff. And it requires faith to do that. It requires faith to live a life that looks different from the rest of the world, you know? And so these are just some ways to describe, like, genuine faith. It really does rely on Jesus and depend on him every single day, every single day. And guess what? What happens, as Peter's describing, that joy will grow, that joy increases as we believe the genuine gospel, as we live by faith in the genuine gospel, to continue what Peter was, was, was telling, you know, his hearers. Though you have not seen him, you love him. You're in a relationship with him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, I want to be the first person to confess that that kind of joy, joy inexpressible and full of glory can feel like a pipe dream to me. You know, very out of reach. And I know it can for you too. And there's a sense in which, well, there, there, there's some truth to that. It is out of reach because the, the real fullness of, of joy is waiting for us when we are with Jesus in glory. One of the Puritans, Thomas Watson, said, we shall never enjoy God fully till we enjoy God eternally. Like, okay, we get it. Glory is coming. And we still live in a world full of, you know, sorrow and suffering. But, but can, can we just also acknowledge that Peter wasn't writing to dead people, he was writing to living people? They were, they were not in heaven, they were on earth, and he's talking about a joy inexpressible and full of glory. So So let's be careful not to use our theological accuracy as an excuse to say, no, I don't really need to bother with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I don't need to pursue that because it seems too evasive, maybe too hard. Maybe it humbles me to say and to admit, yeah, I don't know a thing about that. Maybe that does something to our pride. But don't stay there. Come further up and further in. Do what what, what uh, Philip told Nathanael. Philip had found Nathanael and said, we found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Come and see Jesus. Don't be content just to hear about joy inexpressible and full of glory. Go and see. Take a page from the shepherds. Let's not just sit here you know we're gonna keep watching the vlog Oh, that sounds really nice good tidings is a great joy that will be for all the people okay sheep you know we're gonna go come and see come and see jesus and the, and the magi wow cool star okay you know back to normal now go and see this is the invitation to christmas come further up and further in i don't care how far you've progressed i don't care if you're at square one all of us can come further up and further in the implication of course, is that if our joy isn't growing, then how can we say we are growing in faith? Let us not be content with sort of a wonderless, joyless, off-brand kind of Christianity. Uh, let, Let us not accept that disciples, that mature disciples would somehow remind us more of Scrooge than of Jesus you know, or or joyful, you know, feet kicking, you know, hoof stomping uh, uh, shepherds or unicorns. Um, You know, and let us not accept or imagine that God has left us to languish here until the real party starts in heaven. Now we we can get in on this joy now. We can go further up and further in. We can come and see. This is the invitation of Christmas. So how do we get this joy? Come to Jesus. Go to him and come further up and further further in. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for this call, this invitation uh, to come and see and to see Jesus and to have a relationship with him. And Lord, would you uh, peel back uh, the, the, the protective layers and the places where we, we insulate ourselves against this kind of joy because we don't want to appear foolish. Or we don't want to feel ignorant or we don't want to admit that there's, there's places where we haven't grown yet. Uh, Lord, instead, help us to, to join the shepherds. Help us to join the magi. Help us to join Philip and Nathaniel, Help us to join the parade of millions and millions of our brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers who have not been content until they have come to see Jesus and to have a, a relationship with him where their joy grows because of his mercy to us. We thank you for the cross, we thank you for an empty tomb, we thank you for the promise of eternity with you, Uh, but we pray, Holy Spirit, come and fill us so that our joy even now uh, might grow. In Jesus' name we pray.